0: This, 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 this this is mythical.
1: We're so excited to introduce you to Great Jones. Great Jones makes high-quality, thoughtfully designed cookware that's so stunning, you won't want to put it away. From Dutch ovens, to ceramic dishes, to non-stick sheet pans, they've got you covered. Heck yeah, they
0: do. Their products come in a variety of amazing colors, from classic black and white to pinks, greens, yellows, and blues, and the best part, Nicole... Everything's non-toxic.
1: Josh, I've been in the market for a kettle for months. Yeah, I've I've, heard you
0: talk about it a weird amount. Yeah,
1: I've bought like a bunch, (laughs) returned a bunch, but I just got my hands on the Great Jones Fellow Kettle collab, and I got it in the color broccoli, and I'm so excited to make artisanal teas and coffees. I'm trying to get on my coffee game right now, and I'm Mm. so excited to use a gooseneck kettle. We have no idea.
0: I'm excited to use their yellow hot dish, a.k.a. casserole dish. Shout out to Minnesota and Fargo, North Dakota. Uh, But I'm, I'm at that point in my life, where I'm like, I'm an adult, I should have nice vessels to serve food out of, instead of just serving it on like stainless steel restaurant style things. And I like it, it's cute, it's got a good design, bakes really well, holds heat. I'm in, baby. And once you try Great Jones, you'll wanna share it with friends. They make stunning gifts that are actually useful. Weddings, housewarming parties, birthdays, it's the perfect gift for the foodie in your life.
1: So upgrade your kitchen and replace those old, rusted hand-me-downs with bold, beautiful, long-lasting pieces from Great Jones. Get started today at greatjones.com and get an extra 15% off your first order with promo code sandwich. That's greatjones.com promo code sandwich. Josh, what number diet cook is that for you?
0: You how dare you judge me? You come into here. How many times have you gone to the bathroom in your life, huh?
1: Josh, you've like thrown eight cans in the recycling bin. What's wrong with you, man?
0: I can stop anytime I want. This, this is, is a hot dog as a sandwich. sandwich.
1: Ketchup is a smoothie. Yeah, I
0: put ice in my cereal, so what? That
1: makes no sense. A hot dog is a sandwich. A hot dog is a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> what?
0: Welcome to our podcast, A Hot Dog is a Sandwich, the show we break down the world's biggest food debates. I'm your host, Josh Air, er.
1: And I'm your host, Nicole Inaidi.
0: And today we have a very special guest joining us. Please welcome People Magazine's Sexiest Doctor Alive 2015, <laughs> and the reason my late Jewish grandmother once said to me, see, you could have been a YouTuber and a doctor. Dr. Mike Varshavski, welcome to the show. Wow, what an introduction. <laughs> I
2: hope my grandma... You know, God rest her soul, is sitting there thinking the same thing. Very proud of my YouTube viewership and uh, medical acumen.
0: I Boy, it is so hard to explain to a uh, hundred centenarian Jewish grandmothers what YouTube is. But when she found out there was someone that was also a doctor, that is when I immediately went down the totem pole. But comparison is the thief of joy. Uh, Mike, thanks for joining us.
1: Thank you so much for being here.
0: Yeah, I'm really excited
2: to chat what seems to be something that you have on full display there. Uh, Some Cokes and Diet Cokes and Peppers and Dr. Diet Pepper? Uh, Yeah. Correct.
0: Did you go to medical school with Dr. Pepper? (laughs) Are you familiar Uh, with his
2: work? I believe that there was a Dr. Lisa Pepper in my class. (laughs) uh, Man, that's tough. And
1: I'm not making that up. (laughs) There's a Dr. Pepper on Married at First Sight.
0: Really? Yeah, best show ever. <laughs> huge, huge, huge. Today, today, <laughs> Dr. Mike, we brought you on because Nicole and I are, Um, I, I don't want to say dumb, dumber than some.
1: I feel like, I don't think we're dumb. I think if we applied ourselves, maybe we could have been <laughs> doctors too. So don't cut yourself so short, Josh. What's I wrong with you? I could not
0: have been a doctor. Uh, <laughs> but what I can do is yell about diet soda that's on the true, internet. That's true. You can
1: do that pretty well. And
0: that's what we're doing today. Dr. Mike, we wanted to answer the question, is diet soda actually bad for you? And I know that is a very loaded question. Bad.
1: It is bad in always quotes. comes in
0: quotation marks. Yeah. Uh, but I drink probably three Diet Cokes a day. It used to be more. I used How many to drink-
1: Diet Red Bulls do you drink a day?
0: Oh, okay. That's another. How
1: many Diet Drinks? How many Diet Drinks? Including your, I would say, your breakfast smoothie, might also be a diet. Not might. Drink. Not
0: might. I drink. I drink a bunch of aspartame at six in the morning with my pre-workout. Yeah. I'm drinking aspartame at nine in the morning with my protein shake. Yeah. I'm drinking aspartame at 11. There is not a point in my day in which aspartame is not coursing through my veins. And many people online, uh, I feel feel like Nicole had lump you in there. Says uh, this is terrible for you. It's going to kill you, Mike. What are your initial thoughts?
2: Well, the one thing that I can guarantee you is that life is going to kill you. So yep. <laughs> Thinking about the individual (laughs) ingredient like diet soda and the artificial sweeteners that are found in them is likely not what's going to do you in. Mm. We live in a world that is full of risk. And the number of risks we face and the number of things that impact our day-to-day behaviors, our chances of getting sick, our chances of getting better, really are astronomical and probably too much for the human brain to even wrap our heads around. Like if we even try and think, what does 100 trillion look like or count like or appear like? We can't imagine, we can't think in those numbers. Much in the same way, we can't think about risk. So when we ask a question that's very binary, like are diet sodas bad, we're truly asking a question that has no answer. It depends for whom, it depends what we're switching from, what we're having it in lieu of, how much are we having it, and only until we get all those questions answered, maybe we even come close to answering that question. But I'm excited to discuss it because I think there's fun in the discussion.
0: Oh, 100%. And also diet soda is something that has rocketed in popularity in recent years. And I think there's a lot of different factors about it. One thing is people's general fear of sugar. Um, My general thoughts on nutrition, and I am certainly not an expert. I've just been on a lot of bodybuilding.com forums. (laughs) Now, (laughs) I'm reading this fantastic book. by. It's called Food Politics by Marion Nessel. She is a longtime academic at UC Berkeley. um, But she said something that kind of stopped me in my tracks, which is, Nutrition science has – the advice from nutrition science has not changed since World War II. It is eat less meat and eat more fresh fruits and vegetables. Every single thing past that is because the media operates in forms of headlines. There needs to be novelization in this.
1: Sensitized or whatever.
0: Exactly. Like there needs to be some sort of new information to report and people report it. And aspartame uh, is one of the ingredients that has been really pushed – as, like, a potential single cause of... I've seen Alzheimer's, strokes, cancer, autism, um, and then... Autism? People are people, saying that? People... I mean, people on the internet will say everything. That's true. Um, that's true. But this is one of those single ingredients that people like to single out. Um, and one of the first studies uh, was in 2007. It was called the Ramazzini Foundation. Um, they did a test where they were intravenously injecting lab rats with Mm -hmm. aspartame and that showed a link to bladder cancer. And that was one of the first studies that really um, influenced people to not drink uh, aspartame or at least to fear it. Um, But Mike, I want to ask you, what are the limitations on these studies where they're not experimenting on humans because they can't and they're using things like lab rats and they are, say, injecting things intravenously that you would normally consume orally? Like, What are the correlations that you can draw from that?
2: Yeah. So basically, when we do mechanistic research, uh, starting with a hypothesis, we have a theory that if you consume product X, you're going to get outcome Y. Like, does aspartame increase risk of a specific cancer? We don't rush to start testing that in humans. We first start looking at the mechanisms in a petri dish, in a lab model, just to see what happens. And we start seeing a possible mechanism that can evolve. Then we raise that up and we start doing it in animal models. Sometimes that happens in rats, sometimes it happens in the rhesus monkey, and we start seeing the progression of it. Almost everything fails that initial hypothesis theory before reaching human outcomes. Even, like if you take big pharma, right, who wanna maximize their profit. So they're not doing research willy-nilly. They're doing research on things that they believe have a high chance of working. And even with big pharma, when a medication starts in the hypothesis theory in those petri dishes and animal models, 999 out of a thousand do not make it to human trials. Mm -hmm. And even when they make it to human trials, (laughs) passing the human safety and proving that it actually works, 95% of those fail. So imagine if, these are companies that are have the most brilliant people in the world, they're trying to spend their money as efficiently as possible, and even then they're failing. That goes to show that our knowledge isn't as deep as we put it out to be, especially when it comes with petri dishes, animal models. It can show guidance to us as doctors, as researchers, in which way we can go forward where we can ask better questions, but it certainly doesn't tell us how we should live our lives. Because if we did that, boy, we would have a different result uh, on a different day depending on who authored the study and what finding they were looking for. There's actually a study that exists showing consuming any food, they literally took dozens of foods, and they saw that consuming any one of those foods raises the risk of colorectal cancer. Just to prove that if you really want to find that uh, correlational link, it doesn't mean that it caused the cancer to happen. So we have to be very careful when we're looking at this research or even being presented with research how we let it affect our everyday lives.
0: Yeah, 100%. And it seems like nutritional research specifically because there are so many different factors uh, becomes incredibly hard to – digest like um there was a recent 2023 the world health organization comes out and they say that aspartame is quote possibly carcinogenic to humans and many many people sent Mm -hmm. me this distinction and said see aspartame carcinogenic world health organization a legit organization ergo i was right you were wrong diet soda is terrible for you and then if you even go a little bit deeper, what they mean by possibly carcinogenic to humans is the findings of limited evidence of carcinogen- carcinogenicity in humans and animals and of limited mechanistic evidence of how carcinogenicity may occur underscore the need for more research to refine our understanding. So basically they said, we, we don't know. None of the studies have Then why anything. write it? Why write it, scare, does it? This is, scare people? is, this this it scare is people? why I
2: went into YouTube because – I watch my medical profession put out accurate information like what Mm. you just read, Mm -hmm. but their ability to make it user friendly or understandable be complete poop. Mm -hmm. And I can't (laughs) find a better word for it because it's poop. Poop. It's misleading what is being said. Even when we do uh, like statistical research and you'll see um, like news articles pop out and they say this medicine, statistically significantly lowers rates of your blood pressure and you're like oh well statistically significantly that sounds significant that sounds strong (laughs) those are words statistically (laughs) significantly just means that whatever outcome happened it was statistically strong that it happened but that outcome could be huge it could be clinically insignificant So just because something is statistically significant doesn't mean it's also clinically significant. And how we show that to the world is what makes us good doctors, I think. Otherwise, then you're gonna get probably carcinogenic or possibly carcinogenic Mm -hmm. and then you're scaring people as opposed to, hey, uh, we saw some initial mechanisms, but unproven as of yet. Whoa, that's a lot more reassuring than what they initially said.
0: I, I just want to thank my AP stats teacher. That's oh right. Gosh. I got a four on the exam. But honestly, that and <laughs> fantasy football, because like when you hear a stat like doubles your risk of say Alzheimer's, that was one scary. of the scary.
1: That as as to the untrained ear, that sounds scary. It
0: is incredibly scary. Yeah. Uh, and then if you see that the risk what went from point zero zero one to point zero zero two, that is not something that is actually going to affect. Anybody, even yeah. on a mass population sure. level, and so like actually being able to dig into the statistics and understand where this is coming from. Also, understanding I don't want to expect every person in the general population to go into the method- methodology of every study. Yeah,
1: you but can't you look at that from this
0: initial rat study out of the Ramazzini Foundation in the early two thousands, and you found out that they were injecting them with the equivalent of a human drinking twelve hundred diet cokes a day.
1: Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Poor and babies. So,
0: you see, uh, the links are really tough. Um, I just want to get into the history of diet soda really quick because I Lay it, it on me, Josh. That's Let's it. hear it. Well, okay. I- I'm going to ask you two. What do you think the first diet soda was in America? Tab. Tab? I have no idea.
2: I'm, I'm an immigrant, so I don't know American <laughs> history well.
0: <laughs> What's the first uh, from, uh, from where? From Russia. Uh, do, do they make uh, – do you ever drink kvass? Do they have Diet Kvass? No. What's Let's class? make it. On, it's Sounds from, good. I kind of want to try it. It's made from, like, fermented bread?
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, I'm a big fan. Oh. We'll find some Diet Kvass. Uh, but, no, it was actually a soda that predated Tab by about 10 years, and it was called NoCal. And NoCal was made mm. with uh, – neither had I until I was researching this. Um, but it was primarily made for diabetic, pa- uh, diabetic patients, um, and it was mainly sold and consumed in, like, medical facilities – and it wasn't oh, until
1: like in hosp like if if you're a diabetic in the hospital, yeah, they, they wanted would a give it sweet to you. treat, and it was okay. It was
0: made using a, a sweetener called sodium cyclamate uh, and saccharin. So saccharin, saccharin was the original yeah. sweetener found in Tab. Saccharin was actually banned in the United States in 1981, mm. leading to the formation of Diet Coke using aspartame in 1982. If you're tracking with the history, uh, the reason this is important is, NoCal comes out with sodium cyclamate in 1952. That was six years before the FDA passed the Food Additives Act, which Mm. (laughs) they introduced the crazy legislation that if you're adding chemicals to food, we should test them first. Before that, you simply were not allowed to – you simply didn't have to. You were not obligated to. And then there was a very similar study. Uh, Lab rats showed bladder cancer with insanely high doses of sodium cyclamate. It was a uh, one-study phenomenon that was never able to be reproduced whatsoever, and we have now banned sodium cyclamate in the United States Mm. because of that study, and it was not banned in Europe. And so there's this crazy, sordid history where, you know, Europe banned saccharin before the United States did. The United States banned sodium cyclamate before Europe Europe did. It's Mm -hmm. still considered safe in Europe. Hmm. How can science is supposed to be about objective truth, Right and sharing the information around the world. But how do we end up in a situation where one ingredient's banned in Europe, one's not in the US?
2: In my opinion, it's probably due to the bureaucracy of the matter. You Mm -hmm. have a lot of people that are either elected or appointed into certain positions. They're in those positions for long periods of time. They have their own intrinsic biases on what they think is right. And as a result, you have rules that don't make a lot of sense. Like for, for me, a, as a primary care physician, I find it strange that the FDA will only step in and regulate a supplement if it's mm-hmm. already raising red flags about causing harm and killing people. Yep. But otherwise, I can right now bottle up whatever I want into a capsule on this table, put it into a, a little capsule and a bottle, a pretty bottle, say, Mike's, Ma- magic Mike's Formula to make you faster, stronger, better, <laughs> whatever,
0: and I could legally do that. And the fact that the FDA won't check it is wild. I think Channing Tatum has rights to that. Uh, to that name. But, Tatum? So that's your only legal battle there. So check this out. I could do that, but my only concern is not that I just
2: poured God knows what into the pill, but that Channing Tatum might sue me. Yeah. yeah that's yeah.
0: the only risk to doing. The only this risk. Thing. That's a problem. <laughs> that is a problem. And uh, oh, Magic Mike should be public domain. I think that's what we learned from this. I grew up in the, the golden age of GNC where literally when I was in high school, you could yeah. walk in and you could buy Trenbolone. You could buy legitimate what steroids. What is Trenbolone? Trenbolone, uh, I believe it was an anabolic steroid originally used wow. in cattle production. Mike, forgive me if you know more about this than I do.
2: Uh, I, I don't. I'm not super familiar with uh,
0: cattle hormones and, <laughs> and, and steroidal medications. What are they
1: teaching them in school? No, But, go but no,
0: you could literally <laughs> buy anabolic steroids. There's a product called Tren Extreme The makers of it are now in prison because they were putting straight steroids in it.
1: Oh my god! And there was also
0: another product that had straight up amphetamines in it. uh, Because the supplement industry is not regulated, and we had a bunch of cracked out. Yeah,
2: there's been so many instances of over the counter medications. This this happens quite frequently as of late in gas station pills, where like they'll say, oh the. Yes, exactly. Like libido boosters, nice. and really, the only ingredient in there is sildenafil, which is the medication found in Viagra. Mm. So they're selling a prescription medication within an over-the-counter medicine because no one's checking what's actually in it.
0: That's crazy. You're telling me it's oh! not—it's not the properties of honey and ashwagandha that are leading
2: people Ginseng? to four hours. <laughs> Well, that's the, probably the question I get most is like, which supplement should I take to boost X, Y, and Z? I'm like, probably shouldn't take anything unless there's a medical reason as to why you're taking it.
1: Dark leafy greens. <laughs>
2: dark, uh, AG. Well, yeah, those are great. Why not take them? My question is why do people, instead of eating dark leafy greens, go for like some green powder. Just eat the dark leafy greens. Why make them into a powder? Chewing's awesome. It's a good time.
0: Yeah, no, that I means do that- I do like to chew. That is a hell of a question. Um, when I-, I played sports in college, and I knew a lot of people who, instead of eating any vegetables, would only drink spirulina powder. That was yeah. the big thing. And they were like, I'm getting all the nutrients. And I was like, have you heard of a salad? Um, but <laughs> some people don't got it in the bag. I want to talk about the alternative to diet soda because when we're talking about people drinking yeah. diet soda um, – Sparkling water, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, water is probably the... I'm a
1: Pellegrino girl. Always <laughs> let me tell you every time at Shabbat dinner, my mother-in-law puts out all of the cokes and then she gives me the Pellegrino because she knows I only drink Pellegrino. I don't like sodas, honestly. yeah like you don't
0: like the flavor, you don't like the sugary stuff.
1: okay. Well, I mean, when I was a kid, I loved coke. I, I mean, I'm more of a sprite drinker than any of these things. Uh-huh. but, um, I don't know what it is. I think I think it's too sweet and I hate despise disgusted with the taste of diet coke and mm. zero and all these zero calorie stuff do i have it like if i'm like eating food and i need some indigestion help yes do i have a sip of diet coke of <laughs> course because i feel like the fake sugar or the real sugar helps but i don't drink like people just drink cans of soda yeah i can't do that
0: i think it depends on if Pellegrino you also it. has a softer bubble which is why I don't like it. I need the Does violence. It? I need the violence of Topo Chico. No, 100%. That's why I don't like I'm Pellegrino. I'm a soft,
1: delicate lady. I like the soft <laughs> bubbles. Too much bubbles, it just ruins my day.
0: <laughs> no, but we have seen an explosion in, I think part of it is the fear of full sugar sodas, um, the kind of yeah. carb phobia that we've been fed for our entire lives. Sure, sure. Part of it is the fear of time the, the unknown, which is why we've seen things like LaCroix really explode on the market.
1: Oh, sure. Um,
0: but... Yeah. Dr. Mike, do you drink diet sodas? Do you, do you consume artificial sweeteners?
2: No, I'm a Pellegrino guy myself as well.
1: Well done. Well done. I'm proud of you.
2: Or sparkling water in general. I will say anything bubbly, even if it doesn't have sugar, there's been some theoretical evidence as how it can influence weight. Um, in fact, some of the uh, doctors that work in my metabolic department in my hospital <coughs> will frequently talk about with their patients who consume uh, gassy beverages and how it creates some bloating and expansion of the stomach, Phenomenal. which can then lead you to have a like more space in the stomach. Therefore, you don't feel as full if you have a smaller meal, if you don't have the sparkling water. So it's not something that's incredibly proven, but something that we take into consideration when we're giving recommendations.
1: Well, this sucks. That,
0: that, <laughs> <laughs> no, but
2: no, like but that, I yeah. don't want you to think this sucks. There's no. no I know. Th- see, that's the thing. We can't villainize and say something's all bad or all good because sure. if you're swapping from a sugary soda and you're looking to reduce the amount of added sugar you're taking in, which is probably useful in most cases, but if you're looking to do that switching to a sparkling water is a great alternative. Agreed. But now if you're drinking a lot of sparkling water and you're having acid reflux symptoms and Mm. you're already uh, struggling to lose weight and you've kind of hit a plateau, maybe it's something else you can try. But it doesn't mean I'm signaling everyone to stop drinking sparkling water.
1: Thank you.
0: I read a headline that said sugar is more addictive than cocaine. Dr. Mike, should I switch from putting sugar in my coffee to putting cocaine in my coffee?
2: (laughs) I hate those metaphors. They're so bad. No, please don't do that.
1: I saw somewhere that said cheese is the same level of addiction as cocaine. Oh, God. So we're just going to put cheese in our soda.
0: (laughs) Okay, so when we're talking about Is diet soda bad for you? We understand. It is a clickbait title. There is absolutely no answer, but that's what people are likely searching. Um, That is what (laughs) I have searched hundreds of times, uh, and I get on WebMD, and then it says you have colon cancer, and then I get freaked out. Um, It seems to be there are two sides to this. There's what's happening to you on the molecular level with diet soda, which Mm – All the studies again. The World Health Organization said possibly carcinogenic because the evidence isn't really there. Um, But the more interesting side of it to me is the behavioral side of it. Which when you're drinking diet soda, what is it doing to you psychologically? You said that this tastes disgusting to you, probably because yeah, did
1: you put your mouth on
0: it? I did, yeah. But I mean, we're I have a clean slate for most things. Um, But (laughs) you
1: (laughs) give me a sip of regular soda.
0: You were. (laughs) You were not raised on drinking a bunch of sugary sugar. I beverages, was not right?
1: raised that way.
0: I used to drink a half gallon of cranberry cocktail, not juice, mind you, cran raz cocktail oh, well, a day because I thought that there was fruit in it. I did. I wasn't raised with a lot of, like, nutritional education. I thought there was fruit in it. That meant it was good for me, so I would drink it with impunity. But, like, that imbued my taste buds with just such a fortitude, Nicole, to withstand all of this taste. Combine that with my love of pre-workout and various uh, nerds candies. Yeah. And I taste Diet Coke, and it's like shooting a BB gun at a tank. To me, like, I need this flavor.
1: But can you just drink the regular regular Coke for a second and tell me how much – Better that taste. oh my god Doesn't it's like it the nectar of the gods so good
0: but if I drink the <laughs> equivalent gosh. if I drink the equivalent of say I drink four diet cokes a day I drink four of these that's an additional quick math six hundred forty calories
1: <laughs> that's so much
0: which you know is uh not it's <sighs> it runs contra to my own personal ethos like yeah, yeah to my own fitness and health goals sure you know so for me I'm like I need this but. There has been a fair amount of research out there that says if you drink diet soda because aspartame is 30 times sweeter than sugar, it is conditioning you. And there's been some really convincing research both on humans and fruit flies that were fed Splenda instead of sugar, ate 30% more food. Uh, and they also no found this way. with people uh, when people uh, consumed diet soda. And this is on a uh, analyzing 10 years of data of people's real lifestyle choices. People who drank diet sodas uh, ate about 30% more uh, what they call discretionary calories, which are fun little treat foods. So there does seem to at least be a co- like a not causal but correlational link. Correlation. Yeah, between drinking diet soda and eating more sugary foods outside of that.
1: Wild.
2: Yes, and then when we look at the randomized controlled data, which is kind of our gold standard of when we do research and why. Dietary research usually is not randomized controlled because you have to like monitor what every person mm. eats and then swap them and, and randomize them to certain groups. That's very hard to do long-term. And if we don't have long-term data, we end up using questionnaires and following people for a long period of time and all that stuff. But what we found is, yes, in some instances, we found that people have a prerequisite for, uh, like a precursor for more sweet foods if they consume a lot of uh, these sweetened beverages. And then in some randomized controlled data, we found the exact opposite. That when you compared people to uh, these artificially sweetened beverages, to water, to regular sodas, we found that people who drank artificial sweetener uh, beverages actually got their sweet kick from those things and ended up eating less sweets and lost more weight. Sounds simple.
1: So sounds like science. is all is over conflicting, the place it's sure. which means that there
2: is no clear answer yet mm. so now i'm going to give you the practical answer of how i practice in a field of uncertainty because being a good doctor especially a family medicine doctor mm. means i have to work within the bounds of our current knowledge and many times our current knowledge is incomplete and yet i still have to give some kind of advice right yeah i can't just have a patient come in and say meh because that's not going to be a very <laughs> that's valuable not visit, help anybody, yeah. and my Yelp score is going to probably drop really quickly. So here's what I say yeah. to patients. If you are drinking water and you're happy, do not switch to diet soda. Mm-hmm there's no benefit to doing so. In fact, there's some potential risk. Potential risk, we don't even know that yet. Mm -hmm. If you're drinking sugary soda, and that sugar is harming you, whether in the form of having higher weight, having high triglycerides, you have diabetes, Mm -hmm. switching to a diet soda is gonna be smart. Because then those risks are gonna be swapped for less risk. Mm. So again, to who are you giving the advice? What are they switching from? That's how we're going to give practical feedback, even in the areas of uncertainty.
0: Mike, that makes such a terrible headline. I feel like we should say <laughs> diet soda kills you faster. That, you know what I mean? Yeah, I feel yeah, like we yeah. should just workshop that. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. No, but I mean that, that that is, you know, the answer that um nobody wants to hear, which is, but it's is very the best nuanced. Answer. Yeah, and that, it's the nu- it's nuanced. It's nuanced, who would have thought? And You're
1: guess what? what?
2: You're doing the, the diet sodas, you know, four times a day. I would say most people don't fall into the category where they're having multiple uh, cans in a day. Uh, most people who are looking into this are just having it sometimes, mm. uh, barring certain outliers. And if you're having a diet coke or whatever beverage you want that's artificially sweetened sometimes, who cares? Like there's the, mm-hmm. the people that then start isolating that, or the cold plunges, or or some other <laughs> fad thing in a given moment. It's like. You are so disconnected from the risks we face in everyday life, how Mm -hmm. our mental health changes when someone breaks up with us. Whether or not we take too much uh, of a prescription medication, whether or not we're over consuming calories, whether or not we make it to the gym, whether or not we sleep well, those things have huge impacts of our health. Talking about the four minute cold plunge protocol that you're (laughs) doing, or whether or not you have one Coke can uh, a week is so useless. I cannot begin to explain to people how unimportant it is.
0: Gut health, Nicole. The key here is gut health. This we, comes in and it you eviscerates have a your flora. Full of no, sauerkraut the fauna. Every meal. The fauna within my gut right now. And
1: the flora within. Little it birds. As well.
0: There's little pigeons and they're pecking. No, no, at...
1: no. The flora is the flowers and the fauna are the little deer. This guy, he's
0: he's on the paycheck for he's on the payroll for big farmer right now. We don't I know, have a I know, I know, I know. Why do we have them all? plunges. This is they target Nicole. They target your lip lipidinous, <laughs> lipidinous. Yeah,
1: yeah, lipidema. Uh-huh. If it lasts for four yeah. hours, yes. See Dr. Mike. Yeah, sex, lying pills.
0: All right, Nicole and Mike, we've heard what you and I have to say. Now it's time to find out what other wacky ideas are rattling out there in the universe. It's time for a segment we call "Opinions, Opinions Are Like Casseroles."
1: He liked it. Does
2: that mean yeah. nobody wants them? He did a little dance. Uh, well, you don't like casseroles. I don't know. I don't. I, to be honest, this is. I can't believe I'm admitting this. What's a
0: casserole?
1: <laughs> That's oh, another podcast God, that entirely. Great, okay, so do you have another hour?
0: It's funny because – Is it that long? So casseroles <laughs> well, were technically the, – the, ter- the first time the term was used in the modern American context in the mid-1700s. I'm dead ass serious. It was in Vermont. But that said, like any – it's just any large amalgamation of foods that is baked inside one dish and meant to be eaten as such. So it's just like a one pot. So they've existed throughout all of history. It's how most people like ate. A for, like a stew? Kind of like a stew, but – Stew is too wet. Stew is too wet. Okay, have, have you ever had, uh, like, my grandma's... Uh, I, I think there's kugel. some stews out there that would
2: have exception to that
0: statement.
1: No, but, like... Uh, have you had kugel before? Kugel's
0: kugel. not a casserole.
1: Yes, it is. It's no, cooked if in you a casserole do, If dish. you do, like,
0: a beef stew with a kugel top, that's a casserole. Okay, you're
1: the only person on planet Earth that has done that.
0: No, Mike, have you ever had a beef stew with a kugel top? I don't know what a kugel top is. does not
1: know what a kugel top I mean, not boy. part of my medical right. education. Okay. <laughs> 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 Should we get into our first opinion? The Minnesotans
0: opinions? call it hot dish. Okay, uh, well, my first opinion, um, Dr. Mike, we, Nicole and I have both taken a very pro-leeching stance <laughs> on this podcast. Pro-leeching. Okay. Yeah, just medical. I'm leeching
1: and bloodletting.
0: Well, because here's the thing. You have blood in you, okay? and it's bad, and you need to get it out. What better <laughs> creature than a leech?
2: Why is the blood problematic?
0: Nicole, my Are colleague?
1: Are asking me? <laughs> Yeah, you should ask. This do you know guy. we still
2: do bloodletting for very specific conditions? I can name you one. Tell Please me. Please name us one. Poly- polycythemia vera. Okay. Where you have an overproduction of red blood cells, and as a result, it actually you would go in and get. Some blood taken out.
1: Yeah, but you would do it like with the syringe and like.
2: Oh yeah, you would. The leeches don't take uh, enough
0: blood. You're out not just someone
1: slicing someone blood. open and like bloodletting. The
0: leeches need jobs, Nicole. Um, actually, I used to go to. Um, <laughs> I, I used to go to. He was a chiropractor, but he was also the USA weightlifting uh, Olympic team's doctor, and so I went to do soft mm-hmm. tissue work. Uh-huh. Um, but he also did some like kind of weird stuff and he did a practice called wet cupping
1: my dad did that in China cupping? my dad did that in China they,
0: they make uh, little incisions and then they do the cupping and then yes. it sucks the blood out yes. and so I walked into this man's office for the first time and there was a person whose back was covered in blood and I freaked out
1: my dad did that in China and he showed me pictures He's like look how cool this is and I'm like this is not cool <laughs> Don't show me your bloody All I'm saying now. could have
0: been leeches. Uh, Nicole, <laughs> you want to read the first opinion?
1: Um, sure. I love to read.
0: Uh, like, so we asked our audience if they had any specific health or nutritional questions. Um, and so Nicole is going to read them okay. out to you. You get first crack at your response to them.
1: Sure. So the first okay. one we have is uh, at pretzel emoji. Picky eaters are just a sign of weak parenting.
2: No. <laughs> Can't do it. Can't co-sign that statement.
0: Why? What, what is the cause of picky eating? Or, I mean, I'm sure there's not one cause, but.
2: Yeah, that's the thing. That's so variable. Could you have contributed to the pickiness of your child with your parenting habits? Sure but does that mean it's necessarily your fault? I mean, I can give you medical conditions of like hyperphagia syndromes where children eat so much so that their uh, obesity cannot be caused by overfeeding alone. It's a hormonal issue. Mm -hmm. So to say that all causes of it are that, not true.
1: I think...
0: (laughs) And now we get Nicole's <laughs> medical opinion.
1: As someone who could have been a doctor if she applied herself. <laughs> I do think some parents, you know, kind of like, like if if my mom didn't like a certain food. Like my mom doesn't like the color purple. She's never been a fan of the color purple. Not the movie. Like the color okay. purple. She doesn't like it. Do I now have a slight aversion to the color purple? A little bit. I don't. It's not my favorite color. Sure. Do I think? But there's, there's plenty correlates. of examples
2: of people who like hear that from their parents and then love the color purple. Yeah, that's the me. Opposite.
1: Okay, I, but that's because <laughs> of the way you were raised. Like I always wanted to be like my mom. So are familiar
0: with the uh, 2008 study of Rodriguez et Al coming out of University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign, where I, th- I think what. All right, next opinion. We got. Uh, what are you
1: you need to say something about this. What
0: I don't I know nothing about parenting. I'm just so afraid I really want children, and I'm so afraid that I'm Aww. gonna do all the things that I think are right, and then they're gonna hate me and only eat French fries and
1: just let them hang out with rice. Auntie Nicole. I they're am gonna be so whipped frightened. into shape. Don't worry so about frightened.
0: it. Um, okay, uh, I'm should. gonna correct the I'm gonna
2: correct the opinion. And the opinion uh, opinion will state this now. Um, <laughs> parenting can have an impact on the pickiness of your child's eating habits.
1: I like that.
0: That's good. Well done, That's Doc. Nuance, baby. All right. We got, uh, <laughs> wait. Oh, I had one that I like. Here we Nicole, go.
1: Your drink is purple <clears throat> right now. <clears throat> oh, my drink is per. It's like pink. It's like fuchsia. Get
0: you overcoming childhood trauma. I'm proud <laughs> of you. At uh, Greg Bernershaw <laughs> says, eating healthy doesn't mean you can't put seasoning in your food.
2: Oh, of course. In fact, seasoning in many ways is healthy and low to no calories. There's so many ways to use spices where you're not adding to the caloric intake. And we've seen spices carry a correlation for healthier outcomes. Mm-hmm. And notice I say spices aren't necessarily perfectly healthy, <laughs> but they lean healthy.
0: Yeah, I um it's so funny because my relationship with diet and nutrition, I know this stuff is very nuanced and can frankly be triggering for a lot of people, but for me, all the people I grew up around. I So I was a hammer thrower in college. Nicole's sick of hearing about this. but my coach I
1: love it. Don't say that. I love <laughs> my it. My coach would
0: threaten to take away my scholarship if I dropped underneath 250 pounds and we were working out constantly. How old were you? Uh, this is from like 18 to 22 okay. in college. Uh, and so I knew a lot of people who were equally likely to be trying to gain weight for their specific sport mm-hmm. as they were trying to lose weight. And sure. so my relationship to this is like it's all very neutral. It is you use – nutrition, especially caloric or macronutrient intake to satisfy your personal goals, whatever they may be. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of power lifters, I know a lot of strong men. Yeah. And so my buddy who is uh Greece's national record holder in the shop, put, shout out Nick carvelis Can't wait to go yeah. to your wedding on Samos, buddy. But anyways, we were at an XFL game and I watched this man pull out a quart container filled with white rice covered in mustard. And I said, Buddy, why the mustard? And he's mm-hmm. like, well I need a hundred grams of carbs right now and mustard has zero calories. And I just started listing other things that also have zero calories. That tastes better <laughs> Soy than Soy sauce, than just fish sauce, ginger, garlic, cilantro, lime juice, just. Anything, and I want to grab these giant hulking bodybuilders and just say, "You can put the spices in your food, man." Yeah,
1: I've never understood the the bland chicken, white rice, broccoli mentality. Whenever I understand that, I think I think it's because the macros are consistent, and they want they crave and desire consistency within their routine. Mm. So I get that, but like putting paprika on it isn't gonna completely screw it up. Yeah, th- and, and I wish I could just like, like you said, shake them and say, you can have <laughs> like red and green flakes on your food. It might make you, I don't know, find a little joy in eating.
0: Some people they view food exclusively as fuel. As fuel. And I, yeah. I you know can't empathize with them, Me um, but I I yeah. understand. I did watch a bodybuilder eat quote macro friendly spaghetti bolognese. Oh, that's cool. And it, no, well, it was literally ten ounces of lean ground beef, uh-huh. and what I saw were six spaghetti noodles. Only six. Yeah. And... <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I was like, But at that point, you can just like make a chili. Yeah, make a, Turn chili, it into a or chili. It's those, not spaghetti anymore. Those like shirataki. Oh, can miracle. you do a
0: casserole with that or no?
1: Absolutely. Yes, I'm you so can. glad you
0: asked. Of uh, you can. The state of Ohio has like six indigenous chili based casseroles. <laughs> indigenous? Just in Ohio. <laughs> they were all invented in Ohio.
1: So funny. One more. Let's do another one. Okay, let's see. Um, Hands. Okay, at hands and Schumacher says chicken thighs are greater than chicken breasts. Not only can it be more f- flavorful, but also more forgiving to cook. Still, a ton of protein and fats are not evil. I switch up the seasonings so I don't get tired of the flavors.
0: Chicken breast versus chicken thigh. I'm I'm allowing
2: space for their opinion. <laughs>
1: I like chicken thighs. I lean towards more chicken breasts. I buy, I buy in my home more chicken breasts than I do chicken thighs.
0: People in America buy more boneless, skinless chicken breast than any other meat product uh, on yeah. the market.
1: Makes sense. And it
0: sucks because 99% of people don't know how to cook it
1: properly. Properly. The yeah. the
0: best advice I can give is right when you get your chicken breasts at home, season them with salt. That salt is going to permeate throughout the entire chicken. You are curing your chicken. Um, Marinating with anything but salt does literally nothing. Spices don't seep, but salt does because it creates a reverse osmotic reaction within the protein structures of the flesh. It makes your chicken 10 times juicier, and you won't hate what you're eating. True. That said, my one thing about diet, my one rule is that— I will never eat so clean that I have to eat chicken breast over a chicken thigh. If you mm. are, are schwitzing mm. about your decision between thigh and breast, I think you've lost the plot on what it means to eat and enjoy food. That's what I believe.
1: That's great. That's good.
0: Mike, do you cook? That's fair. Um, I don't cook. Uh,
2: I occasionally dabble, but I generally don't cook. What I did find the other day, because my cholesterol levels came in unfavorably Mm. last time I checked, I needed to decrease the amount of saturated fat I was consuming. Mm. And there are still days of the week where I consume red meat, and I was eating like a leaner cut of beef. And then I found at Whole Foods they have uh, bison tenderloin, Mm. which has... On the label, which means that it's probably close to zero, zero grams of saturated fat in a four-ounce serving. So I was like, whoa, that's kind of awesome.
0: And I started eating that instead.
2: So we'll see how the cholesterol numbers do now.
0: I, I'm, a
1: bison. I'm a big bison fan.
0: It's also just delicious. Um, a bison I, steak? Beef-adjacent yeah. meats, bison venison, they are mm-hmm. really great if you know probably cook it.
1: I also love beef-adjacent stuff.
0: Um, can I just ask Mike personal nutri- nutrition questions now? Mm. Because hear me out, my cholesterol came back high, too, and I'm worried. Okay. okay. Uh,
1: and I mean, this is your podcast as much as it is <laughs> mine. Go ahead, ask him. I, I
0: uh, don't cook any red meat in the home anymore unless it's for something special We're entertaining. Really? Julie and I exclusively eat chicken and fish, but what I do eat is, like, over a pound of animal flesh a day <laughs> because I've been raised with the idea that one gram of protein per pound of body weight, and so I try and eat... Roughly 200. I don't religiously track, but 200 grams of protein per day. Mm-hmm. And I told my I do- my doctor this, uh, which Mike is my new uh, primary care physician. Thank you so much. Do for Do you accepting. take
1: Blue Shield? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: only if the copay is
2: 10x for the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we can do that. We can do
0: that. You we can make, talk we probably you can make talk money. later. Uh, but no, I, I told my doctor I was like, oh, I I don't eat red meat. I only eat you know chicken and fish at home. And they were like, well, you know, that's still just a lot of meat to eat that could be contributing to your cholesterol. Mm probably decrease that. And I was like, well, have you seen this bodybuilding.com forum article that I've printed out for you, Dr. Lieshevsky? Um And she did not uh, <laughs> seem to find that amusing.
2: Um, so in general, cholesterol is driven by consumption of saturated fats, which are found primarily in animal products. Mm-hmm. So even if you're not consuming red meat, you're likely consuming higher saturated fat diet than most. So. You, you, you're consuming leaner sources of protein with fish and chicken, and the the, the fish has fat, but it's healthy fats, so that, that's a good reason to keep fish in. But I would maybe look to replacing some of your chicken protein with something like edamame, mung bean pasta, or the mm-hmm. bonza pasta that uh, you'll see in the supermarkets, which have both fiber and protein, which will help your mm. cholesterol levels. twofold, because you're getting less saturated fat, but still getting your protein. And second, when you increase fiber, we've actually seen decreases in cholesterol as well. So that's what I'm doing myself as well. So we're kind of on the same trajectory.
0: Uh, I'll, I'll keep you updated with my LDL levels if you do the same, man. Is well, LDL we're on journey bad, together. I don't LDL know.
1: is bad, One HDL is, bad. is good?
2: It's <laughs> the marker, yeah. The marker of LDL is considered uh, the bad cholesterol.
0: Nicole, ask you about, ask you about seed oils. Oh. <laughs> Do it.
1: Okay. Uh, Hey, Dr. Mike, can you tell me a little bit about seed oils? Give me like a two-minute spiel about seed oils and why you think they're either good, bad, neutral, or you just, just what are they? Tell us about them.
2: I would say that they're neutral and the hype around them. And it's neutral because we're still lacking some data, Mm -hmm. much in the same way that we can't clarify as artificial sweeteners being all good or bad. Same thing with seed oils. Mm -hmm. Look, if you're having seed oils to excess, it's gonna be bad. But if you have water to excess, it'll be bad. There's medical conditions related to that where you throw off your electrolytes so bad, you can go into a coma. Uh, You eat enough carrots, you turn orange, but that doesn't mean the carrots are unhealthy. Mm -hmm. So uh, much in the same way, if I asked you a question that's not medical, like are hammers bad, what would you say?
1: Hammers? It depends what you do with them.
2: Oh, look at that!
1: You're bringing some nuance
0: into the conversation.
1: Yeah, I did it.
0: <laughs> so yep,
2: <laughs> the same way.
0: Uh, do we have any other? If anybody can leave the room, I have a rash that I was trying to.
1: Oh.
0: I'm just saying. Now that we're here, I it's probably fine.
1: I drink from your cup. Am I gonna get it?
0: That's not where the rash is. Oh, good. Uh, No, I'm kidding. Dr. Mike, thank you so much, man. Uh, This was absolutely incredible that you gave us very clear, concise answers that have a one-word takeaway. Um, No, I'm really grateful to bring some nuance to this conversation, and hopefully our audience uh, can take something away from that and um, from somebody that's significantly smarter than both of
1: us. I sure did.
0: (laughs) I think the biggest takeaway is to,
2: like, use nuance as a superpower, A, be not to villainize or be deathly afraid of one ingredient or nutrient. Uh, and in general, think of diet as part of your lifestyle mm-hmm. and not just, oh, this food is bad, this food is good, this food is bad, this Because that creates a lot of unhealthy eating habits that usually, even if they're helping you for the short term, long term, it's not gonna be sustainable and valuable. And here it's about creating sustainable habits, so
0: beautifully said, and don't put cocaine in your coffee. On that note, thank you so much for listening to A Hot Dog is a Sandwich. we got new audio-only episodes every Wednesday, video version here on YouTube every Sunday.
1: And if you want to be featured on Opinions or Like Casseroles, give us a ring and leave a quick message at 833-DOG-POD-1.
0: And make sure to check out Dr. Mike on his YouTube channel, at Dr. Mike. Doc, you got anything else to share? As always, stay happy and healthy. That was beautiful. Pretty brother. I'll see you all next time. <laughs> Thanks again, Doc.